Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Hi, this is comedian and depressed alcoholic James Nokise, and you're listening to Eating Fried Chicken in the Shower, a podcast about headspace and happiness. From my safe place, the shower, with fried chicken. This episode, I'm talking to Billy Award-winning comedian, actor, and mental health advocate Corey Gonzalez McCure. We'll talk about what it's like to be an actor. Not theatre, I'll never be friends with theatre people. <laughs> but um, what it's like to be a movie star. Someone messaged me saying, oh, it's the number one movie in New Zealand. I didn't have any money and I, I think I got enough money to go get like a $5 pizza from somewhere. And that's how I celebrated just with a $5 pizza in my room, in my mum's house. And what it's like to be a dad. Mungle my pad and if Freddie was there, I'd feel... <laughs> Some of this will get a bit real. The language, the subjects. So make sure you're in a safe space with your comfort food. And join us, eating fried chicken in the shower. Corey Gonzalez McCure, uh, a man who I have Hello. known since most of my comedy career. Yep, yep. And 2000, all... 2000, I've known you before, or we've known each other before you, I started doing comedy. Yeah, because we were um, at uni in... Um, 2002. In theatre? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We did, we did the theatre uh, degree at Victoria University. Yep. Um, Back when, back, oh, back when it meant something, eh, bro? Yeah, because yeah, we had steady work from then on till yeah. now. Yeah. We met because we were about a year apart in, in stand-up. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think you got me into it. I think you, because everyone knew that you were doing comedy in, in the first year of um, at uni. Yeah. And then we used to go along to the shows, that's right, and that's how I met Hurley and Wrigley and stuff. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you were like, I'm way funnier than that guy. Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Won't say who I was talking about, but... <laughs> Full disclosure, Corey and me did our very first comedy festival together, yep. which was a show called Overstayers. <laughs> uh, Overstaying with Corey and James, yep. sponsored by Overstayer Clothing with King Capisi. Yep. I don't think Capisi and that came and saw the show. No one did. No, no one came and saw the show. No. In a couple of half hours, no idea what we were doing. At the good old time of 5pm in Auckland. 5pm in Auckland. In the, in the basement, I think. Yeah. yeah. Did we have a hip-hop crew? I feel like we had... In Auckland? In Auckland. Did you know someone? I can't remember. We had a hip-hop crew in Wellington. We had a hip-hop crew in Wellington. Who which stole we, the show. Yeah, who, who like, wait. Here's, here's a little tip. If you're going to have a hip-hop crew in your stand-up comedy show, don't have a really sharp hip-hop crew when you're not really sharp comedians. Yeah. Every review said that we were shit. Like, yeah. Odious. How do, how do you cope with uh, feedback like that? Um, I take it really personally still. Yeah? Yes. Um, not, maybe not as bad now, but um, it depends who's doing it. If it's like a big reviewer, like a, then I'll be like, okay, you, kind of, you might know what you're talking about. But if it's some fucking like 18-year-old student who's never been to a comedy show trying to review something for their local um, like student magazine, I'm like, like who, who, who are you? Like, do you ever engage? Uh, no, nah, I try not to. I used to, but I try not to now. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't read them when you're hungover or still drunk. What kind of chicken we got? You said spicy chicken. Uh, it's 
It's Japanese. Okay. And it's got chipotle mayo, but um. Are you a big fan of spicy chicken? Yeah, I say that, but then I always get it way too hot and I can't eat it. <laughs> Yum. Good. Mm, really good. Oh, oh yeah, good. Don't eat it off the floor now. Gonzalez, what are you doing? We're supposed to be professional comedians. Oh, sorry, we can cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> you, you like um, when it comes to cleanliness and that. You, you do like. I've, I've, I've seen you send food back when there's an eyelash or something. Oh, would you eat it if there was an eyelash? I mean, I, you just, you know, I'm, 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 oh, I'm. When it comes to stuff like that, if I find the hair in my food, I'll. Go a week without eating, probably. <laughs> I'll never what? go back to where that place was. I, yeah, it's just, you can't do that. What happens? What happens to you in, in those moments? Oh, gross. Do you remember at Vic Uni, there was, um, at the rec, the recreation center, the cafe there, there was that dude that had very long orange hair. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he had like a slur. He like, he, he spoke like, oh, Um I got some uh, wedges once, and it was a massive, like massive long ginger hair. And I took it up, and he denied that it was his. That's amazing. Yeah. That's, um, that, I mean, it's, it's a bold denial on his yeah, part. Yeah, no, not me. No, I'm big on, like, hair. Just someone, nah, someone, no way. Hair. Anything like that. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah? No, 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 no. Yeah. I just, no, I just, I've always found that fascinating because yeah. I was like, man, I just, I just eat it. Like, it's just, really? a, oh. just an eyelash. But yeah, you, that certainly it hits you, eh? Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's why I'm like, just eat whatever you Most want. Most people listening will be like, does James eat hair? I feel like this is... This <laughs> he, thinks he thinks it's fine. Because okay. we, we've been going for a long time now. Yeah. Um, like, do you ever think about like those early days and like go, what the hell was that? Yeah, I think so. But at the same time, I, I don't know. I, I really like those days. Yeah. Um, I'm just so new to it, and it, even the people who were experienced back then, people who I thought were, you know, even like as far as the Concords and Tiger and mm. Hurley and stuff. Even I look back now, they were like new, new to the whole thing. Yeah. There was no TV in New Zealand, like no comedy on TV really. Two audiences just on the same boat doing live shows and mm. hanging out at Indigo. <laughs> I, I remember Hurley once said something uh, to me about you which stuck, which that you don't talk much, but when you do, it's really good. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think hopefully that still goes, that still applies. Because you're quite introverted. Maybe, depends how drunk I am. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. That's true, actually. I've recorded some memories of that, too. Yeah, it's not as bad as it used to be, but yeah. Is it, was it about like I'm not drunk now, but do you um were you, did you drink to like to get extroverted or was it just a side effect? I think yeah, I think I definitely did to get extroverted, and then after a while I just did it because I just had to drink, and it became just a natural thing. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Do you have a thing where because you're an immigrant? Yeah. Um, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> get out! Get out! <laughs> Whereas I'm the child of immigrants, but you, you came over here. Uh, and again, I didn't notice until... Were like, you born here? I thought you came... No, no, oh. no. People just assume um, because I played a race card so hard that yeah. I must be from overseas. And I was born in Hamilton, bro. Oh, really? Mm. Um, but my parents are both immigrants. Yeah. Whereas you... How old were you in Cayman? Six. Mm. Mm. Does that give you, like, perspective? Um, I just think of how awesome New Zealand is. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're quite lucky to, to come here. Um, and I always think, of, like, what would happen if we'd stayed in Chile? Because like, when people think of Chile, they generally think football, yep. beaches, occasional devastating earthquake. Yep. Yeah, so, yeah, there was a, a war, like a, a military coup in 1973, and that lasted through till, uh, like, 1990, I think. And we moved here in 1988, so we 
so we kind of I lived through the whole thing of it from I was born in eighty two, but like when it was kind of really bad. Um, yeah, we just we we came here and and that's why I think New Zealand's just the best country in the world. Like every time I, I see something in the news that's meant to be big news, I'm like. I remember a couple of years ago, the headline was that a rooster got run over somewhere in a small town. I was like, rooster gets run over. And I was like, fuck, we're so lucky. Because I've got impressions of memories. Yeah. From when I'm six. Like, I've got, and I've got somewhere like five, maybe the earliest I can go back is four. Oh, yeah. But have you got still, because your, your childhood was so traumatic in those circumstances, have you still got like real crystallized memories? Mm. A little bit. I wouldn't say it was that traumatic, but... Definitely things like going, being in town and seeing protests. Yeah. Um, but when my uncle got arrested, I remember that day, like everyone just losing the plot. Yeah. Um, my dad leaving. So my dad came here like a year and a half before we came over. Right. So I remember that like vividly. Is it, was it different growing up in New Zealand? Like as, a, as an immigrant, like coming from that kind of place? Or did you just like, because you came over so young, yeah, like, sort of assimilate in? Yeah, I think we just did. We just assimilated quite well. Um, I can't even remember not being able to understand what was, what was going on because I didn't speak English when I came here. Right. But I can't, yeah, like the transition was just, was just I remember always being able to understand and speak English here. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I'm sure. Like I don't know when I first got here, and kids probably would have made fun of me, but I would have not known what was happening. Well, I mean, you're you're also quite a magnificent uh, football player, soccer player. So I feel like. Well, it used to be. Yeah, I just do it. Not not playing anymore. I haven't touched the soccer ball for like fifteen years, maybe. Really? Yeah. God damn. Still have nightmares every night about that I should be playing it. Really? Yeah. It kills me. Really? Yeah. Why are you having? And in my head, if I started training, I reckon I could still probably <laughs> like play for Barcelona. Yeah? Yeah. Is it still, the dream's still alive? Give it a year, I could do it. Keen soccer player in high school? Yeah. So that's my pretty much everything I did at high school was just play football. Yeah, I was just the quiet guy who played soccer. So how'd you get into, like, no, not how, I know how, I was there. Why? Why did you, why did you get drawn to drama and, and public speaking? I don't know, I think I just, I don't know. Because um, even then, what I love about, like, your social circle is you have, like, the most unarts. Socials like when you and your crew rock up at a gig, yeah, it's great because it's immediate diversity, yeah, 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 to the normal arts crew, yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I like. I just kind of it was just something that I've always probably had inside me, that's why I was so quiet. And when I did it, it was just awesome. And that's why I've got like friends in the comedy industry, friends who are, um, you know, do acting, uh, not theater, we'll never be friends with theater people, <laughs> but um, you know, friends who do like tattooists and then friends who just work in offices, like. Yeah, and then friends were just unemployed or like gang members or drug dealers. Well, I mean, that's New Zealand. We all know a few yeah. gang members and drug dealers. Is that important to you having a rounded social circle? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's why I've never understood about people who just hang out on one click of like friends. I've never got that ever. Brunch out. Do you reckon that comes from being in, like an immigrant and yeah. adjusting, or do you think? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, maybe just from being an outsider. Eating fried chicken in the shower, whether you're with old friends, new friends, or by yourself. I don't know, like you're aware, but you're you're quite well known in New Zealand. Mm, I don't know, maybe I go through stages, but you go through stages. Maybe like when oh, what we do with shadows came out, that was probably. But um, I don't know. I don't think anyone's like famous in New Zealand. No, no. Probably Peter Jackson, maybe, but in Concords. How do those moments sit with you when you've been at the top of the wave in fame? Um, I don't know, you kind of, I don't know if you miss it, you just kind of, 
Yeah, there's just like some stuff like going to Sundance and stuff. Yeah. Like the Berlin Film Festival, those, I look back at those and I just don't think they'll ever be able to do that again. So you miss it a bit, and but you always just kind of look back on it like, you know, like pretty lucky that <coughs> I got to do that. Like, I don't, I don't know many people who even get to be in a movie. And I thought that was pretty cool. Is it stressful at the time? Like, do you have that kind of... Um, no, not really. What, like if I'm going to, something like that's going to happen again? Or, yeah, yeah. Um, no, nah, maybe for a bit, I'd, I thought, like, what am I going to do now? But, um, yeah, it's kind of less and less these days. I think just because of, like, my daughter and and got a bit more bit more work going on. So it's not like I'm just sitting in my mum's room, in my mum's um, house in my room, like, wondering when someone's going to call me and ask me if I can be in something. Was that a genuine thing? Did oh, you... I, I, totally. When I, yeah, after I'd done the shadows, I pretty much did that for till Freddie was born. Oh, for real? Yeah. I had no idea, man. Yeah, I just never, I didn't do anything productive. Yeah, I was just kind of waiting. I was like, yeah, something's going to happen, but yeah. Oh, so you just sat back and went, I've been Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it's a great film. Yeah. I, 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 I think I watched it with the Prime Minister. Actually. Oh, really? It wasn't Prime Minister at the time, but mm. um, yeah, it's sat next to Prime Minister, and, uh, who enjoyed it very much, oh, as great. I recall. What's she up to? Uh, I don't know, some sort of busy schedule these days. Oh, yeah. yeah. So when yeah. you're sitting in your mum's house and you have the number one film in New Zealand, like what's that like, bro? Like what's it when? Where, where's your head at? Um, I remember because I was, um, yeah, in my room, and then someone messaged me saying, "Oh, it's the number one movie in New Zealand," and um, I didn't have any money, and I, I think I got had got enough money to go get um, like a five dollar pizza from somewhere, and that's how I celebrated just with a five dollar pizza in my room in my mum's house. Um, yeah, I was watching TV. Do you get depressed in those moments, or does you just no, have that perspective? That, yeah, that's awesome. Like, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I reckon. I mean, because if you take away like the the grandness of the thing, I mean, everyone loves having a five dollar pizza in their mum's place. Oh, I'll have a five dollar pizza here after this. That sounds good. It's the next series. We'll, we'll branch out, and so we have five dollar chicken pizzas yeah, yeah. in your mum's room. In your mum's. That's a, that's the rival podcast. Yeah, is it? Who's yeah, I, I, I think it's you. I think it's Corey Gonzalez Mcure. Maybe five dollar pizzas at my mum's place. <laughs> like competition. But like when you so you've got what we're doing. Are you involved at all in the in, in the TV program, the the um, thing in the states? No, not the states one. But I've um, written a couple of episodes with the Wellington Paranormal. Oh, for Wellington Paranormal. Mm. Oh, that's cool, man. Is it interesting that when you see something like Shadows go big overseas, like how how do you sit? How does your ego sit when um, you see the other members um, and they're like going over to America? Are you sitting there? It's like, yo, that's my mates. That's cool. Or is there a bit of like um, oh, no. envy? No, not at all. I'm, that's yeah, it's my friends. That's cool, and um, like, it couldn't happen to better people. Yeah, and it's literally they did all this on their own. Like they never, um, you know, it wasn't like all about who you know. But they they wrote everything by themselves. They even like funded some of it themselves. So they and they've been doing it for ages. Like we know them. Like they've been doing it for yeah. for fucking longer than like over twenty years. I think I remember the Shadows skit from the yeah, Concords yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, fundraiser. Yeah, Indigo, yeah. As, as having a daughter, because you are a dad now, which is yeah. like a massive difference between our lives, because I feel like our lives kind of were like going up parallels, but yeah. you've gone off and become a dad. Yeah, sorry. Uh, it's all right, bro. I, I feel... Yeah. Um, and, and your daughter's amazing. Yeah, yeah, she's cool. She's just in the car now. But... Oh, well, that's right. We'll, we'll, we'll speed it up. We'll speed it yeah. up. But do you, like, does that anchor you? Like, does that, like, both mentally, but also physically, it, it keeps you here in New Zealand. But, yeah. Like, um, not of necessity, but about wanting to be here. But does it sort of anchor you as well? Yeah, it does. I mean, it, like physically keeps me in Auckland, 
it's because she's here and her mum's here and her mum and I are still really good friends. Um, but yeah, mentally more than anything, especially lately, like the last year or so, it's really kind of, like me and her, her bond is even better. Like when she was born, I was still going through some stuff and um, I don't think I was the best dad for like a few years. Uh, but then I just had to get my shit together and um, yes, I've just been doing that for the last month. She just comes before everything. Can you elaborate on being like what it means to be like a bad dad and become a good dad? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I was a bad dad. Like I, I, was, I was with her all the time. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I think I, I was just going out every night. Um, so, so me and Anna, her, my um, her mum, we were living together. Mm. So I just kind of be. I just took it for granted that and that Anna was there, and I'd, I'd go out all the time, or. I'd just be hungover the next day, wouldn't be able yeah. to look after Freddie uh, properly. Um, yeah, just lots of stuff that I could have done better. So, cause our industry lends itself to those kind of yeah, happenings, yeah. though. Yeah. Um, like, well, I remember when we were coming up, that was the, that's what you did. Yeah. Like, you did the gig every week, yeah. and then after the gig, everyone went out. Yeah. Uh, do you feel that the industry has changed in the 700 years that we've been yeah. doing this? Yeah, I think, well, most of us like have families now or, um, like, big, not big jobs, but have, you know, are busier. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think that's definitely changed. I, I don't think anyone would like to still be doing that, like, getting paid 40 bucks a week and then spending it all afterwards getting wasted at the bar. Because it is kind of, it's mentally deteriorating a bit when you've, like, go, this is my career, but it's not really your no, career because no, you're just really. earning 40 bucks, which is your bar tab. Yeah. Yeah, you were literally just, you know, you go through stages where you're literally just doing it just so you can drink. That's what I thought I was, I got to a point where I was just doing comedy just so I could have money to drink. At what point do you go, I need to make this a career? Um, I don't know, I think I, I, I thought that when I moved to Auckland for the first time. Um, and then it was, I had a few bits and pieces, but it was never like a full on career. You were on TV though. Like, I mean, I was overseas at the time, but you. you, you yeah, I did, but it wasn't. It still wasn't enough to make a living, so I wasn't doing bits and pieces. Um, and then I was like, right, I should probably just go back and finish my degree. And then some, like, well, we know the shadows came around, and I went to Wellington and then stayed there to finish my degree, um, film degree, which is um, paid for itself. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you got the you paid for itself before you got the degree. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is there is there like a is it stressful though, bro? Like with the perception and the reality of, yep. you know, because you're, you're on TV. I don't know if this is just a Kiwi thing, but you're on TV uh, and you're in films and they're successful yep. films and they're successful TV shows. And so people go, well, you must be rolling. Yeah, totally. But everyone knows it's not like that. Not everyone in the industry knows. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But when you like got Joe Public out there, like how do, how do you deal with people like that? I'm just honest. I'm like, no, I've literally got... And I'll always be like precise. I tell them how much money I've got in my bank account. Oh, amazing! Really, I've got. Sorry, man, I can't. I've got thirteen dollars in my bank account. Or yeah, and then they usually buy you drinks. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good move. I, never, yeah. I don't think I ever tried. No, I've done it for a while, but yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've ever tried blatant honesty. Oh, just blatant honesty about everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe not everything, but. Well, yeah. But where's that? Where's that come from? Is that like just a? I don't know. It's kind of like I saw something the other day that said Kiwis are always. Um, if you compliment them on their clothing, they're always the quickest people to point out how much they cost because they don't want to be like, oh, you're too, like, nice, nice t-shirts, like, it's only five bucks. That's it's nice. only five bucks, everyone, everyone relax, it's only five bucks. That's, um, 
That's depressingly true because I did that on Sunday. Oh, really? Yeah. I was like, Matt, you look really good on stage. And I literally walked them through what every item I was wearing cost. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, shoes, number one warehouse, this, yeah. Hallenstein's, yeah. this, I got for free. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, look at that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I love a buck. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> do, you, do you have arrogance, though? Do you have moments of arrogance? I think so. I think as comedians, we probably all have, have that. Yeah. Like, we're getting up on stage doing stuff that we think people are going to laugh at. Yeah, or you offered to mentor someone who's only like 12 gigs ahead of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like James was my mentor when I first started don't, out. Don't yeah. even. Don't not even for... <laughs> you can mentor me now. If you I want. mentored Corey too well. He bet me for the Billy T Award in 2006. But can I ask, like, when you do have those great moments, what's it like for your family? You know, you, you, you've got away from you know, this big situation in Chile you've come over here like did your parents have expectations for you guys or did they just like have a happy life uh, growing up they definitely wanted us to go to uni and or play football was the main thing and then like kind of go up on football yeah um, like go to uni do politics get in get an office job yeah make money but then they saw that I was, I was kind of wasn't doing that because I was getting into comedy it was a bit funny for them but then they saw that I was actually getting good at it yeah um, yeah they, they fully supported me like all the way yeah, yeah. To, I got to a certain point where they're like, "All right, he's going to do this." And is, that, is it still like the, the, are they great moments for you when you like you see like you know if your mum's watching yeah. shadows or like um, yeah, you know? totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, or like my mum's saying people at her work are talking about it or stuff like that. Or, yeah, yeah, it's always really nice. Eating fried chicken in the shower, whether you're with old friends, new friends, or by yourself. Our lives coming back to paralleling again. Mm. We both were doing shows this year on uh, trauma. Um, and, and personal trauma. Yeah. Um, do you want to speak to what your show was about? Yeah, so uh, my dad died in 2013. He committed suicide. And I always wanted to do a show about like depression or mental health, but I never really had the guts to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, did, I think I did three festivals after he died. And every year I said, okay, I'm going to do this one about mental health, but I, I never did it. Um, so I took about three. I took three years off, and I came back this year, and I was finally like ready to talk about it. And yeah, I did it, and it's probably the best festival I've had, I reckon. Yeah. yeah so I'm glad I did it. How does it feel to to be able to speak it and speak it publicly? Um, it feels good. Yeah, okay. it feels really good. It's, in a way, it's kind of almost like therapy for me. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know the Do you know the thing about trauma and taking about three years? No. There's a There's a thing where um, when someone goes through a, a heavy trauma, particularly a, a close death. Um, the mourning process is, is around three years. And it doesn't mean that everything stops. Yeah. But around after three years, things are a little lighter. You know? oh, yeah. And you can, some people do wake up one day and they just feel that the blanket yeah, yeah. is off them. Yeah. Um, I don't know where you're at with yours, bro. But. At the moment, I think I'm good. Or, yeah, I'm definitely better. But these days, when I still have that blanket, but they're definitely few and far between. Instead of being, you know, every day of the week now, they're once every fortnight. Your mum came and saw the show? Yeah. Yeah, she loved it. Yeah? Yeah, it was cool. What's it mean to you? Um, just how far we've come. I think a couple of years, if I'd done my show four or five years ago, um, no one in my family would have been able to, to handle what I talked about. But now, yeah, like my sister came, my mum came. Um, yeah, they were they, they liked it. Yeah, I think it's yeah it's, we've come a long way in terms of how how easy we we can talk about it. Yeah, yeah. I want to ask, um, 
my stuff I've been talking about suicide, but I do it from a very um, different angle because it's my suicide. Yeah. Yours is from, I, th- I think, somewhere that we don't necessarily hear enough about. And it's part of the reason I was so glad you were doing a show about it um, because you're coming from the point of view of the person who is connected to the person who yeah. commits suicide and, and the trauma of that. Yeah. Uh, can you can you speak to that, bro? Um, yeah, I just think it's first of all it sucks that I had to that I was put in a place where I had that's something that I did a show about. Like mm. I would much rather have just done a show about um, you know fucking Pete Kiwis who think they're famous. <laughs> but um, I look forward to that show next year. Uh, well, next year I'll make a return of it. But um, yeah, I think. But now that I'm there, it's it's good. My dad can't speak for himself anymore. And although I am angry sometimes, um, I can just kind of say, explain why he and why other people do it, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, like he doesn't, he, so I guess I'm, maybe I'm his voice yeah. now that he doesn't have one. Um, what do you do with that anger, bro, when it, when it rises up? Um, depends where I am and who I'm with or if I'm drunk or not. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I've been a bit calmer lately. But yeah, back in the day, I used to just, just yeah, whatever I was, like, well, I would just wouldn't think about consequences about anything. Yeah. I just drank, I'd fucking ruin jobs, I'd burn bridges. What's it? What's it like when you when you are taking enough space from burning those bridges? Yeah. To realise you've burned them, like, what does that do to you? Oh, you're embarrassed. Yeah. yeah, you feel like shit. You regret it. Um, you wish you could take it back, but you know you can't. This one's a bit of a personal one as well, as opposed to the other ones. <laughs> but you know, um, you know, I impersonate my old man yeah. all the time. I remember you used to have a few uh, jokes where you drop into your old man as well, yeah. um, and, and they're great jokes. Um, do you do you still use them? Um, not really. It's got nothing to do with. No, I don't do them because I'm. You know, um, I, I miss my dad. Mm. I just don't do them because I don't think they're funny anymore. Yeah, right. Yeah, I I have not arrived at that professional uh, yeah. level yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah, and yeah, a lot of them just don't even make sense. Like if you broke them down, but um, I, I, I talk to him heaps about him heaps. But um, yeah, those jokes that I did at the very start, uh, mm. and also impersonating him. I used to impersonate like Chinese people. Like I was really racist when I started out. Right. Really? I think I was like I, my first ever gig. I started off by. Impersonating the guy at my local fortune chip shop, and it was me for like three minutes talking like a Chinese person. Oh my gosh, I completely blanked that. Yeah, that's yeah. So did I. Just <laughs> hope the spin-off doesn't get hold of the video. Uh, I'm sure that there's already an article. Yeah, probably. It just come out now. How do you so? How do you process that? Because I think that's something that we definitely don't hear about. It's like when you look back on your back catalogue and go, yeah. ah, oh, um, now I'm just yeah, like I'd never ever even think about doing stuff like that. And at the time, like, I never thought that it was offensive or, you know, I've never had, like, I've always grown up thinking I don't have a racist bone in my body, but now that I look back, that was, stuff like that was really bad. Or, like, pretending that I was, like, a Osama bin Laden or, or a terrorist, like, stuff like that would just be, like, now, especially now, I would just be, I would never do stuff like that. Is it, um, is it, does it make it easier for you to do comedy, reconciling that kind of stuff? Uh, not really, because those are all my jokes, so I've got no material now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and what's, it, what's it like to be doing a, a show about your dad? Can I ask about 
the beginning process of that? Or doing the show? When you're first trying to tell it. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't even know. I just I always had it in my head that I wanted to do it. And then I'd write little bullet points about what I'd say. And I just struggled with whether I wanted to make the whole show about that or, or where I'd put the mental health stuff in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just, a, I think the main thing was just putting it in, in the right order and where it would be mm-hmm. and how much of it I'd use. And it just happened this time around, I just kind of... Yeah, probably not even like a month up from the festival. I got like got it right, and as soon as I got that right, I just everything just fell into place. But I hadn't done the festival for years, so I had like a lot of material that I, I had ready. I just don't know how I'd centre it, put the mental health stuff around it. And once I did that, I just had like probably the most chilled out month leading up to the festival that I've ever had. Do you find uh, now that you're talking publicly about mental health that people come to you with mental health issues? Yeah, they need to discuss. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, it happens a lot. Especially the show. After every show, I'd get messages from people, um, or even if I go out of town or like go to schools or like go to sometimes like hospitals and stuff, and I'll do a talk. Um, yeah, there's always people that come up to you afterwards. Random people on the street might come up to you. So, yeah, I, think, I think that's something that we kind of, you know, you probably know we kind of we're getting ourselves into it, so we can't really. Yeah, there's times where I don't want to reply to anyone, don't want to talk to anyone about it, but yeah. and it's that's fine. But um, at the end of the day, you know, take some time out when you feel a bit better and go for your messages, or you know, if somebody stops you in the street, have a chat with them. Yeah. yeah. Why do you go to hospitals? Can I ask? Uh, I wasn't really hospitals, just for a, a, a mate of mine who ran like a it was a some seminar for Auckland Hospital. Mm. I think it was a, maybe like a mental health seminar, and yeah. I went in and talked to them about stuff. Yeah. And is that part of your healing process as well, like going in and doing that kind of work? Or? Yeah, it is. At the start, before I go in, I, I dread it, mm. and I still do sometimes, but once I'm up there and then talking to people afterwards, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Eating fried chicken in the shower, sometimes it's comfort chicken, sometimes it's healing chicken. You have this traumatic thing with your father. Yeah. Um, and, and now you're, you're a father yourself. Yeah. Does it help you understand? Yeah. Like... Yeah, like I, I can. Growing up, I'd, I'd see my dad be stressed out about having no money or no food, and now I'm, I, I've got like nowhere near the stresses that he. He was like when he was my age, he had three kids already. Mm. Um, like I was about to start uni when he was my age, so um, yeah, I just don't. I put myself in his shoes and and I can understand what he went through, and but and now that I, I just kind of. I'm just thankful that it's not as hard, and when I think it is hard, I think about that. And at the end of the day, I've got like a healthy daughter who's awesome, and I've got an awesome relationship with her mum, mm-hmm. and that's all I can really ask for. So it's up to me to keep to not fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, are you? I forget. Are you the eldest? Yep. Is that, can I ask about like out of Freddie and her mum? Uh, no. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know when yeah, yeah. when what what happened with your old man happened like. A, are you the are you the eldest then? Are you yeah the person who has to step up? Uh, I think so. I yeah at the time I, I think we all had to a little bit, but yeah. um, around that time I definitely think I did. And then my brother stepped up by moving back to he was living in Australia. He moved back to New Zealand to be with my mum, and he's only just moved out. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, so and then yeah, my sister was there. Like she dropped everything. She moved here for a while. Mm. So everyone stepped up. And it sounds like you uh, when you say your brother's just moved out it sounds like your family is is healing and has come to a yeah everyone's everyone's healing in their own way what was the was the priority your mum 
Like, yeah. like, is that? Because it sounds like what it was. I think the priority was everybody at some stage. Yeah. Yeah. But at the start, it was definitely my mum. Yeah. Because that's often the thing with family trauma, isn't it? So that's sort of I've I've found in my own experience of family trauma, it flows through. Yeah. So you do focus on a different person. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. What did you do when it was your turn? Um, I kind of think like it might have been my turn. I think it was me for up for like four years, and nobody really. I was living in Auckland, so nobody really kind of knew what yeah. I was getting up to. Um, but then eventually they they did, and yeah, so probably not up until that, maybe a year and a bit ago, um, it was it, all the attention was on me. Did the um, what about your 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 work friends, your comedy yeah. friends? I'm not trying to say anything about anyone. I'm just saying like in, in that kind of situation, the, um, they're the people around you. You know, when you're away from your family, your work family becomes your family. Yeah. Did they did they notice? Did they see or anything? Yeah, a few of them kind of brought it up, like saying maybe let's don't do that and don't do too much of that. Um, yeah, yeah, like hundred percent. Like my comedian friends have probably been the people who've been closest to me throughout the whole thing. Um, does that does that make a difference to you having that? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people who I didn't realise were that good of friends. Like when all that happened, I found out who was you know people who really cared. What does that What does that look like? People who really care. Um, a lot of people say, "Oh, you got to talk to your mates or whatever." But I think it's just the mates who listen more than talk. Like, I, as you know, I'm not a big talker, so even little things, just hang out with someone, not having to talk much, just just having their company. The friends who kind of understood that, kind of knew the boundary where not to be too full on about, you know, being sorry about stuff, or you know, people who just kind of people who don't even mention it. I am sorry, I'm making you talk so much, bro. But you know, yeah, I know that's the most I've talked. Um, <laughs> Like seven years. <laughs> so, well, you know, it's um, everyone gets tired of hearing my shit. How do you, how do you get defragged? Even from like something like this, when you, even even one of your old mates goes, "Hey, bro, come in the shower and just empty all your trauma on me." Yeah. What's what what do you do to defrag, declutter, get your head straight? After this, you mean? After after this, but after and, doing the show, you've just done yeah. ten days. Talking about this stuff. Yeah. What's um what's your healing? Uh a bunch of things. I think hanging out with Freddie mm-hmm. obviously is awesome. Um I'll always talk to my mum after every show. Mm-hmm. Um been listening to I've told Charlie, um the producer, I've been listening to heaps of like serial killer podcasts lately, so <laughs> why serial killer podcasts? I don't know, I just I just obsess with them. Like, I literally go home after instead of going out partying, I'll go home to finish my podcast. <laughs> So yeah, stuff like that. We'll just go for runs, or we'll go go to the gym, or watch soccer on on TV, cook. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just go for a long drive somewhere or something. And what's what's a, a safe place for you these days? Like, what feels? Mm. When do you feel the safest? I don't know. I think all well, the last week, my last week in Wellington, um, my whole family was there. They, they came over from the, where they live. Mm. So my sister was there, my brother was there, <coughs> my mum was there. And I flew down with Freddie for the week, and then for three days, Anna, Freddie's mum, came down. So it was all of us together, and that was like that. Yeah, those that week was probably the best week I've had in a long time. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's about the the people who are there. Oh, definitely, it's, definitely it's, people. Could it be anywhere. Anywhere, yeah, yeah. It could be you know, as long as those people. Yeah, Mungrel mob pad, and if Freddie was there, I'd feel. So <laughs> I want to get out, but yeah. look, we teased him, but I think the Mungrel mob would be good babysitters. Uh, in that scenario yeah I guess so yep. where's my daughter just right here bro yep. right here. <laughs> I've got a little vest for her it's a strict 6.30 bedtime yeah, yeah. 
with your, with your ink because that's yep. something we also have in common yep. uh, and something that's come up through our through our adulthood um, is your is your ink a way of expression? Is that is that? Yeah, I think so. At the start, maybe but now it's just kind of like I just I just really like getting tattoos. Like yeah. Most of them don't even have meanings anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's just you know, like I just like the pain sometimes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> is it any 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 tie to mental health? Uh, it, I think it? it's it's definitely very therapeutic. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool, man. Yeah. Is, that, is your brother's a tattooist? Isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's. Yeah, he hasn't done it for a while now, but he was a tattooist. He's, he's done a few jobs, though. Right? Yeah, he's done heaps. Is that is that pressure when uh, your brother's uh, doing your tat to not go? No, I think it's just it's just awesome that he did it. Even if they don't turn out that well, it's like, oh, you know, my little brother did it in our in our kitchen. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah. That's, that's a bonding moment. Yeah. Um, I guess we asked this of everyone um, before we before we wrap up. Is uh, is there anything else that you'd like to share in the shower while you're here, bro? Um. Uh, wash your legs. Did you see that that um, came out in the news a couple of weeks ago? No, what? Where they said that no, apparently like ninety percent of people don't wash their legs with soap. Because when you think about it, does does anybody wash their legs with soap? I mean, sometimes I, I can't say I, I can't yeah. say I do it every time. Sometimes I skip legs. Yeah, so I do that. Or um, if you like me, you know, the water helps in the tears. <laughs> water helps with the tears. If you're gonna cry, and cry in the shower. Cry in the shower. Yeah. Cry in the shower. Yeah. Uh, well, Koi Gonzalez Makua, uh, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Uh, coming in here, eating yep. chicken. Glad we could feed you. Yep. Uh, feel free to take the rest of the chicken. I will, if it's okay. <laughs> that's absolutely fine, But bro. it's yours. Are you sure you didn't put No, no, it's fine, okay, man. Right. We've got we to keep you actors fed, bro. Right. Uh, Actor comedians. <laughs> thank you very much, bro. Yeah, no worries. Thank you for having me. Eating Fried Chicken in the Shower was produced by Charlie Bleakley and presented by me, James Nokise. The engineer is Blair Stagpool. The executive producers are Justin Gregory and Tim Watkin. Subscribe to our podcast however you just found this podcast. Or if you're listening on the radio, go to RNZ's podcast page and look for the chicken. And when you're rating us, only give us five stars. Remember, more stars, more chicken. If you want to share your safe space or comfort food, tweet me at James Nokise. If you need support, text 1737. Or for more resources on mental health, check the fried chicken webpage on the RNZ website. Faftailava Matewa. RNZ, we want to continue to deliver independent, high-quality content for all New Zealanders, and we're keen to hear from you. So we've set up a new research community called Your Media Matters. It's a place where you can share your views about programme or content ideas, podcasts and topical issues. We'd love you to join. To sign up, head to rnz.co.nz slash yourmediamatters. 